0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli.
1: If we're in a hockey game, whether it's tied or up one or down one, that we realistically believe that, that we can win. So, you know, I thought we had a really good first period. Second period, obviously, too many penalties, and that just killed the flow. But third period, we knew if we could stay five on five, I liked our game. And Vassi made the big saves when, when he had to, certainly. And we capitalize on our chances in the third.
0: If you want to make the playoffs or have a chance to, you got to win those games that are close, especially when you're at home. And I do like the way we've played down the stretch. Even in some of the games, you know, the recent one we lost to Detroit, I thought you know, our third period was, was big time. We just, it's hard to come back all the time. But you're in these tight games, you're up one, you're tied, you got to pull them out, and we did.
1: All right, welcome into Power Lunch here on Lightning Radio. Greg Linnelli with you. So glad you're with us. Hope you had a great weekend as uh, the hockey season continues to uh, churn along. The Lightning continue to munch points, and Dave, Michigan, and I are going to continue to talk about what this team is doing as they get set to take on Seattle Tuesday. But before we get into that game, we will reflect on what we saw against the Florida Panthers, a team who's, I don't know, I'd probably say reeling a, a little bit here, as they find themselves today, they've lost two in a row, and on the outside looking in when it comes to a playoff spot, but the Lightning, 7-3 and three in their last 10, 17-9-1 right now in uh, the Eastern Conference, good for 35 points, and they took care of some business against the Panthers on Saturday, 4-1, to one. and uh, partner, it's good to be with you again. And, I don't know, I thought that game against the Panthers was uh, a little bit about the Lightning, maybe a lot about the Lightning, and, you know, maybe not what the Panthers are doing. They don't look like the same team we saw last year, at least in the regular season. But you can make a case in the playoffs, too. And, you know, I think the Lightning found a way in the third period to just add a couple of goals. And that ended up being more than enough Against the Panthers a couple nights ago.
0: Well, there were similarities, Greg, between the game the Lightning played against the Panthers on Saturday afternoon and the game they had against Nashville on Thursday. Now, I know that when a game is in the rearview mirror, we tend to forget about it. And maybe the fans can't remember a game that was played even half a week ago. But I'll remind all of you, what happened in the Nashville game was the Lightning jumped out to a lead. They had a terrific start. But they really dominated the first period and came out of the first period up. But then in the second period, they were back on their heels a lot. And they lost the lead. And it was tied going into the third. And then in the third period, the Lightning broke the tie with three unanswered goals. What happened on Saturday afternoon? The Lightning did not have a great start. We can get into the first few minutes of that game. But they did come out of the first period ahead. The second period wasn't as lopsided in terms of momentum against as I thought the Nashville game was. The Lightning were shorthanded four times against the Panthers in the second period, which affected kind of flow of play. But the Lightning actually navigated through those kills fairly well, having said that the Panthers did tie the game. So again, we have a tie game going into the third. And very similar to Thursday, the Lightning break the tie early in the third with Braden points scoring the eventual game-winning goal, and then they tack on two more, and they win going away. I think what we said after the national game was the Lightning should feel pretty good about not just getting the result, but their performance. And I think we could say the same about how they played against the Panthers. It was not perfect. They had some real problems in the first five to six minutes as far as their their defense, how they were defending in front of Andre Vasilevsky, and then they had penalty problems in the second period. But I think as a whole, the Lightning did very well in that game. So now they won 3-4 on this six-game homestand with a tough opponent coming in tomorrow. Seattle has had a great start to the year. Yeah, And then Columbus, which got run over by Tage Thompson and the Buffalo Sabres a couple of games ago, but they've won their last two since then. So I don't think the Lightning can can look past either one of these teams. But they've given themselves a chance here, Greg. At worst, it'll be a, a, a slightly disappointing homestand. If they lose the last two, they'll come out of it 3-3. Three and three. Hopefully that doesn't happen. They have a chance right. to make this a really special homestand, which is exactly what you want when you go into a six-game homestand. So they put themselves in position. They've gotten through a lot of the divisional games. In fact, all the divisional games on the homestand. They set themselves up here to to really finish off the
1: home stand on a good note. They have. And I think, you know, when you take a look at what they're supposed to do, bunching points together against teams that you'd like to see them do well against and take advantage of where they are in the standings, I think they've done that. I also think it's interesting, too, in that first period, getting back specifically to the Florida game. Yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't the greatest start. No, it wasn't. You know, the Panthers had some really good looks, and that's probably a case where you look back at this game, and maybe you give Vassy one of the top three stars. You probably could. And maybe some people would look at the box score and say, well, really only had to, you know, stop 24 or 25. But in this instance, partner, it's when he made them, especially early on when mm-hmm. I thought the Panthers at least came out. They had some zone time, and they really were taking advantage of the Lightning sloppy play and I thought Vasi gave them a chance to settle down. And then, of course, how about the play Sorelli makes to Pat Maroon? We had been talking about Pat Maroon being a guy who was close to getting to that first of the year. Playing with Sorelli seems to maybe have sparked him a bit more, too. It's a good match right now. But what a play by Sorelli along the boards to get Maroon that pass. And then Maroon with a really great shot. But I thought, you know, you want to talk about keys to that game against the Panthers. And in every game, there's probably several. But I, I thought early on Flores' momentum uh, really tilted the ice, but I thought the Lightning did a good job basically behind Vasi of not allowing it to spin out of control. And they were able to get that first goal. And I think once they did that, even though the Dolpy goal went off Sergeyev, uh, kind of a bad break, I, I thought the lighting probably felt pretty good about where they were heading into the third period. Then they were able to get, obviously, a couple of goals to seal the deal. But... It's, it's incredible when you take a look at any game. There are, there are moments where momentum changes, perhaps early on in this game, is, is when we could look back and say that's, that was probably the case.
0: Well, the Panthers could have been up in the first few minutes of the game, if not for Vasilevsky. And I think that they had more shots than they were given credit for. Yeah. But having said that, even if we're going to give them, let's say, two to three more shots, which is possible, based on the activity they had early in the game... You know, the Lightning held the Panthers to 25 shots. Like you just said, Vassilovsky right. finished with 24 saves. The way the Panthers want to play is to have a lot of shots. In fact, they entered the game against the Lightning, leading the NHL in average shots taken per game. So the fact that the Lightning held them to 25, or even if we're going to say they might have missed a couple early, let's say high 20s, that tells you how much they were able to take the Panthers out of their game lighting blocked a lot of shots in the second period when the Panthers had all of those power plays but you know four power play chances in a row for Florida and the Panthers finished the game with only three power play shots one of those was a grade a chance maybe the best chance they had all night or yeah. all day which was that Reinhardt opportunity in the slot Vasilevsky's I think I'm, I'm comfortable saying that was his best save of the night and he made a lot of really tough saves but he got that with the right skate. Had that gone in, it would have been 2-1 Florida. That was during one of those second-period power plays. But for the Lightning to keep the Panthers into the the 20s as far as the shot total tells you how much they took the Panthers out of their comfort level, basically. They, they forced the Panthers to play a game that the Panthers didn't really want to play, and there weren't a lot of pucks funneled to the net. There wasn't really a lot of ozone time for Florida. And maybe this is something that's going on with the Panthers right now because they they came home. Now, they were playing the second half of a back-to-back last night against the Kraken. But the Kraken beat Florida 5-2, and again, the Panthers only had 25 shots. So the Kraken held the Panthers to the same number of shots as the Lightning did, which was a low for Florida through their first whatever-it-is right 25 26 games they had had more than 25 shots in every game a lot more in many instances and now two in a row they've been held at 25 so maybe there is something going on with florida as far as they've hit a little bit of a rough patch coming back from that long western road trip that they had even though they hammered detroit in their first game back home they lose the back-to-back games. But that shouldn't take away from the good work that the Lightning did to to limit that number of shots allowed, which they did.
1: You and
0: know, there were some chances in there, particularly yeah. early, but that was when Vasilevsky
1: put on his big boy pants, as he often yeah. does, right? He was dialed in. Yeah, He was dialed in, and he needed to. You know it was interesting? You mentioned the Panthers there, and maybe circumstances dictating it a little bit. For the way they played. I thought Carter Verhage was really quiet. Yeah, he was. And I I feel like whenever he plays the Lightning, that's not the case. I mean, you can make that argument with Barkov too. And even Sam Bennett. But I I felt like, collectively, Dave, the big boys for them just didn't do a heck of a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the shot total here. Barkov had one. Kachuk had one. Verhage had one. And that's just not what we're used to seeing. And that black took a minus three, so you know it wasn't it wasn't a great night for their stars. And I think whether it was the Lightning defending really hard, which I I, I tend to agree with you, I think they did. And we can get into why and uh, break it all down there. Also, too, I just you know, Florida for whatever reason just didn't didn't have a lot of juice. Yeah, and yeah, maybe they knew that. Maybe that's why they tried to come out early to try and get a lead.
0: Well, look, Greg. We're not going to spend a ton of time more talking about the Panthers because the Lightning are not going to see them for a while. But it was important, I thought, that the Lightning kept the Panthers behind them. I mean, the, the shot—or sorry—the point differential was what thirty-three to thirty going yeah. into that game, and now it's thirty-five to thirty, and the Panthers have an extra game that they've played because they lost in regulation to the Kraken. But if you look at the last two games for Florida the two games they lost over the weekend. Dolpy, their fourth-line winger, scored against the Lightning, just recalled from the minors. And then in the game against Seattle, they lost 5-2. to two. Their two goals came from Eric Stahl, his first of the year, and Chris Tierney, who was also just recalled from the minors because they've had right. some guys who've been out sick. So, look, it's great to get depth scoring, but if the depth scoring is all of your scoring, it kind of goes to your point. Where are the big boys? Where's Barkov? Where's Reinhardt? Where's Bennett? Where's Verhage? Where's Ekblad or Montour? Right. Who have been producing from the blue line. So they are getting scoring right now, and it's been limited. The scoring that they have gotten, at least in the last couple of games, has been limited to... They're bottom six, basically. And if you're the Panthers, that's a problem. Yeah. It Maybe is, it's a right. blip. Maybe they're going to turn it around here. But that's not a winning formula for, for Florida, for any team. Like, if the Lightning went through a patch of games where Stamkos and Kucherov and Point and let's throw in Sergachev slash Hedman, Paul, like, none of these guys are, are producing points. We would be saying on this show, the Lightning need more from them. They have yeah. been getting production from them. Right. But I think that that is some of the underlying issues with the Panthers. And, you know, the goaltending has something to do with that. If not for Vasilevsky, Reinhardt would have scored yep. on the power play. Right. And Kachuk would have had an sure. assist. I think Ekblad started the sequence at at the blue line. So that could have
1: been a goal, but it wasn't. Goalie made the save, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. As Al says, hard to argue with the effort the other night. Yeah.
0: The I think Lightning haven't had too many games where we would say the effort hasn't been there. Where their effort level has looked below par or, or lower than where it needs to be has been on some of these power plays where they've given up shorthanded goals. Right. And that is really gotten under the skin of John Cooper as we've talked about because a lot of it is just sloppiness but I think their overall effort level maybe effort is the wrong word because I'm not sure that there is a team out there in the NHL that doesn't try I mean every team tries sometimes it doesn't go your way and sometimes you're flat too sometimes the other team has something to do with it like the Bruins have proven to be a team that can suffocate you well, if you're getting suffocated, it looks like you're not trying. It just is that you're trying without seeing any kind of positive result that can sap your energy. But I'm not going to argue that, you know, Al has a point because he does. I mean, the Lightning brought it, I thought, on Saturday afternoon. They didn't take the game lightly and they met the moment. And I think they were the better team. They deserved to win.
1: They did. No quibble there. They deserved to win, and it was noticeable who, who the better team was, I thought, in that game. And kudos to the Lightning for what they were able to accomplish. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. A couple of questions starting to come in about that game. Uh, this one comes from Doug. It said, guys, what did you make of the production the Lightning got from the different line combinations?
0: Yeah, goals from all four lines. The Sergeyev goal came with the fourth line, the Belmar line out there, as we know, because Belmar right. was laying on Bobrovsky's stick, which is why the Panthers challenged that. That's great. So we were just talking about the Panthers getting production from their bottom six. Yep.
1: The Lightning got production from the bottom six and the top six. They did, and they all look good. They really did. I, you know, I don't know, again, long term what's going to happen here. Uh, Doug, we've had this conversation before on this show. I think sometimes it's it's more or less changing some things up, keeping things fresh mm-hmm. so guys can get used to playing with one another in case John Cooper wants to go to that situation, maybe in the playoffs down the road. Um, but sometimes it's, it's warranted. You can determine where you think these changing of the lines falls in. But I thought uh, particularly, again, I'll go back to that first goal, you know, Pat Maroon has been working hard and he finally was rewarded. Yeah. And, you know, playing with Sorelli, Dave, who for all the time he's missed, being able to come back and make the impact he's been able to make has been, I think, a big bolt uh, jolt to this team's lineup. And he was able to keep his legs. I know it's one of the things that you guys have talked about, you know, with the surgery that he had. Physically, he was still able to stay in shape. And I think... That has helped because you can tell, you know, he's able to grind it a little bit more than maybe if he had another injury to the lower body. And I think he's making the right plays uh, along the boards. And, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to be a combination moving forward, but it was good to see, you know, Pat Maroon get rewarded because I think he's been doing the right things over mm-hmm. the last
0: couple of weeks as well. He's been playing his game and you might say, well, what is his game? His game is being strong in the puck in the offensive zone so that if he gets the puck, that means it's going to be, a, if not a long offensive zone shift, the majority of the time on that shift is going to be spent in the offensive zone. And that is also tied to what are you doing in the defensive zone. So I think Maroon and his line mates, and he's had some different line mates over the homestand because the Lightning have shuffled the lines a bit, but that line has been very effective at getting out of the defensive zone cleanly and spending a lot of time in the offense zone, which is why Maroon was getting all of these chances. He had so many close calls because he was around the opposition net. This one that he scored on was probably, of the chances he's had, this one was the farthest out. Yeah, But he was in Phil's spot at the hash marks, and it was a great shot into the top of the net. It was. The, the, The thing you mentioned about Sorelli, so Sorelli... I'm not sure it was a true puck battle, but it was at least a contested puck because <laughs> foot rims it around the boards, it comes behind the net and, and comes to the opposite corner, the corner to, to the right of Maroon, so the right corner for the Lightning. And Sorelli wins the puck and, and sets up Maroon. Right now it is Sorelli, but if we count the top seven forwards for the Lightning, and I don't mean any disrespect to the guys that I'm not going to mention here, but the the six that have been on the top two lines are six plus Sorelli. Right. You got point Kutrov Hegel. You got Stamp Ghost Kalorn Paul. Now you add Sorelli. One of those seven players is going to be playing on the quote unquote bottom two lines. Whoever that player is, and right now it is Sorelli, you figure would add a jolt to use your term. To what is happening on the bottom six.
1: Sorelli yeah. has done that. He's made him deeper. <laughs> yeah. He's made him deeper. And I think I think we all knew that. But I think until you see it happen, it's hard to quantify it. But I think just by his mere presence, now you're you're having basically a top six guy play for a lack of a better term in a bottom six role with some guys who, let's face it, might not get a chance to always play with a player mm-hmm. like Sorelli. Or I whoever mean, that ed- ends up y-
0: being. We say bottom six, but, I mean, let's look at it this way. Would we say the Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow is kind of tailor-made to be more sure. of a checking bottom six, but I yeah. think Blake Coleman and, and Yanni Gord could be top six forwards, depending on the team that they're on. Yep. And let's go back to... That third line was definitely a signature third line, but let's go to another signature third line in recent years, the Pittsburgh Penguins HBK line, right? Yeah. Would we say that Phil Kessel is a bottom six forward? (laughs) I mean, the guy has scored career. So when you have depth, that means you can put guys that on other teams might be in a top six into a different role, and that makes you – a very difficult team to match up against. Yep.
1: Well, and, and you're right. And it, it keeps guys, I think, fresh, too. I mean, y- you jump at an opportunity to play with a guy like Anthony Sorelli. I mean, Pat Maroon probably was salivating when he had an opportunity to, to play mm-hmm. with a guy like that. Because Sorelli does a lot of things that Maroon does, but just he's younger and he's got fresher legs, and he's the one that can sometimes go in there and grind. And that was just a, a beautiful play to watch because those two played off each other. And Sorelli, with a nice little seam pass, yeah. found Maroon in that soft spot. And then, look, we've talked about Maroon being able to finish, and, and that's what he, he can do at times in this league. Look, I, I don't want to overemphasize that one goal. But you know what? It is true. When you do things well and you do things the quote-unquote right way and you're not getting rewarded, eventually you will. And I think the numbers, the analytics had been playing out that way that we were showing that Maroon was doing some pretty good stuff. And then finally rewarded for that. So do I think that trend is going to continue? I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of weeks. You see Pat Maroon, you know, start to munch some points. himself, And, you know, that's not a bad thing. Uh, You know, we should say Cal Foot partner had a couple of assists. I thought that was his best game.
0: I thought that was his best game of the year. I know he scored in an earlier game against Columbus. Yeah. It's not been often in recent weeks that he has been in the lineup, first of all, and then he's played two in a row. But I thought he was very good yep. playing with Sergachev. He played over 17 minutes. He was plus two. He had the two assists, like you mentioned. So he needs to keep that going if he he's does. in the lineup tomorrow. Again, you know, how long do you want to sit Pogosian? Do you want to get Hayden Flurry in the game?
1: It's a it's a hard problem. It's a good problem, but I think it it can be a difficult decision because all three of those guys. I think can bring something to the table. I, I, I don't think you want to lose sight of the big picture and who do you think gives you the best chance to win long-term this year. But I do think there is value in perhaps shuffling guys in and out uh, short-term to figure out who's going to be in the lineup or, you know, if you do have to make some sort of trade to alle- alleviate some cap space or attain more assets in return. So mm-hmm. I think it benefits everybody. That those guys continue to play at a very high level. I'll just say this: I think Zach Bogosian will be in that top six. I I don't think, th- for me, there's much doubt when when it is all said and done, unless the lighting, you know, go out and find somebody that they really like that would be in that mold. But that would be you'd have to do some salary cap gymnastics, yeah. I think to make that happen. But look, and even Cal Foot when he was talking. In the postgame, he sounded a little bit more confident. I, you know, he he's not a he he doesn't talk a ton to the media, and I think when he does talk, that he you know it's it's pretty bland. But I I mean you could tell that he's a guy that now you want to start to see him click in the National Hockey League. He's got a few games now under his belt. I think he's probably at a point right now in his career where. Maybe it came sooner rather than later. Maybe he didn't think he'd be in the spot at all where he's fighting for a playoff spot or, you know, a roster, roster spot. spot. Yeah. yeah. And I think now that urgency probably needs to kick in and how you handle that is probably going to go a long way in determining whether you're here somewhere else, whether you're in the top six or whether you're, you know, a spare part. So I think an important time for Calfoot. I think he understands that, but it was good to see him respond because I think he is somebody, Dave, we have said this, I think he's got some offensive upside. And I think he's got the size where he can be a, a nice problem back there uh, for opposing teams when they try and go to work offensively. He can be a real pain in the butt because he's he's pretty good with his stick and he'll give it back to you. Mm-hmm. And I think he's somebody that there there is. got to light a fire under him a little bit. But when it's there, I think we've seen him play some pretty decent hockey. Just need to see more of it.
0: Yeah, and you know, for him to play 17 minutes in a game in which the Lightning had to kill eight minutes of penalties and he's not seeing a regular PK shift. He only played 23 seconds. Yeah. Tells you how regularly the Lightning were throwing him over the boards. Correct. I do want to touch on another pair, though, that has really started to... I, I shouldn't even say they really started to. I think from the get-go, they look good together, and that is Ian Cole and Eric Chernak. And I have the game sheet from Saturday in front of me. They each finished plus two. I want to say in the national game, they each finished plus three. Yeah. So they have been out on the ice not only preventing goals from going in, but also on the ice when goals are going in for the Lightning. But they were, again, rock solid as a pair. And they led the Lightning in shorthanded ice time. So Cole was at 4 minutes and 25 seconds, and Chernak was at 4 minutes and 52 seconds, and Cole was in the box for one of those penalties. I don't think Chernak took one, no. So, you know, Cole wasn't available for one of those four PKs. And the Lightning did a sensational job killing those four penalties. Looking at the block shots, not a lot. For Cole, he had one. Chernak had three. But the Lightning definitely blocked some shots during their four kills, right. which is why the Panthers only had three shots on goal during the eight minutes. That's a good point. Ian Cole, but I think and the Lightning have found a pair there.
1: Yeah. No, I, 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 I would be
0: surprised if in the immediate future that that pairing is broken up. Let me put it that way.
1: Yeah. Well, and we've talked about this. I think anybody that plays with Ian Cole looks good, don't you? Yeah. There's just kind of a, a calming presence, maybe that he has. You know that we're seeing, and I think that's trickled down a little bit. So that's been, that's been quite a revelation. I feel like we've talked about that a number mm-hmm. of times, but I think it's it's pretty true. And uh, if people want to react, that they can. At Bolt's Radio, Stamkos gets another goal partner. Yeah. Creeping into that. That's five hundred. Four more. Yeah, he's been uh really good. Uh he has scored goals in four straight versus Florida. And uh, he's been he's been pretty consistent all year. I think that's probably the one thing that's been remarkable about him this year has been his consistency. Um, I know he had, you know, a little up and down with the goals mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, but I mean i I I'd, I'd venture to say when you take a look at his performance game in and game out. There haven't been a ton of lows, let's put it that way.
0: Well, you know what's amazing? And I'm going to use the word amazing to think about. Please do. Stamkos has had a long and productive NHL career, even with the injuries that he has had that have, you know, the multiple injuries have interrupted various seasons for him. It's not just that he is at 496 goals. He leads the Lightning with 15 goals this year. He is on a 13-game point streak. It is the second longest point streak in his career, yeah. Behind an 18-game point streak he had in his second season. This is his longest point streak since he was. I have to look at when it was. When he turned 20, it was in February. I'm not <laughs> sure he- I remember when the streak was, but it was. It may be his longest streak since he was a teenager. When he was a baby, right? In the NHL, yeah. And yeah. you think about yeah. the years he has had. The year that Stampco scored 60 goals. He did not have points in 13 13 straight games. That's pretty incredible. So the word you used was consistency, right? Yeah. Like that is a measure of consistency. How many games have the Lightning played now? 28? Yeah. So basically for the, the second half of their season, if we break it into two halves, and Stamkos was very good in the first half. Remember, he had the seven goals in the first, whatever it was, five, six games. But... If we break their season to this point in a 2 halves, Stamkos is basically pointed in every game in the second half. Win or
1: lose. So I'm wondering for you, does that confirm a couple of things? One, really the last couple of years, since he's been healthy and was able to train the way he wanted to in the offseason, that this guy has a lot more hockey left in that tank. But two, does it speak to... Kind of what we've discussed anyways is that this new era of hockey that's offense, 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 we kind of confirms that in some ways because you mentioned the numbers dating back to when, you know, Stamco is comparable Mm -hmm. to when he was a teenager. And then you take a look at where things are now. It it probably, in a roundabout way, confirms that this is, we're playing in a, a pretty fast-paced, highly-skilled league that is geared more towards offenses. Maybe. You know?
0: I mean, that's a good point. Maybe if offenses had been where they are now when Stamp ghost was 24. Right. Maybe it would look a little different. When he was 24, he was coming back from his broken leg. So maybe that was a bad year to pick. But the next year, like when he was 24, the 2014-15 the season, Stamkos' birthday yeah. is a nice round number, 1990 in right. February. I love it. So he basically turns his new age right at the beginning of, of each calendar year. So you can do the math pretty easily. You know, let's say in the 14-15 season when Stamkos was in his mid-20s, if offense is... Then look like they do now. Would he have had a point streak of this length? Maybe. Maybe. But he's not letting the fact that next February he's going to be turning, what, 33. Like, he's not letting that slow him down. No. He had seven shots the other night. No. It, and it's, ten attempts.
1: He's healthy, and I think he's, it's a sweet spot. I think he's playing now where there's been a resurgence in, in skill in the mm-hmm. league, and I think he's his skill sets have been able to take advantage of where the league is offensively because he still has that great shot. Yeah, and I think he's just, he's continuing to elevate his game, which has been a lot of fun to see. You know, these are all the variables. When you talk about a team in the salary cap era losing players, Dave, and constantly having to replenish them through younger guys in your system or through trades, maybe the one thing you don't always count on is when veteran players who have been at a certain level maybe start to dip, but then all of a sudden get back to where they were before some of those injuries or their place started to decline a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit, that's uh, that's somewhat of an X factor. Because you just don't know every guy is different once they hit a certain age. I don't know if you would have said four or five years ago that Steven Stamkos's game would look like it is now. I don't know if many people would have believed you. And I don't know if you can count, if you could count on that type of production a couple of years ago with where things were. But in some ways, his production, it allows you to offset, in some ways, the losses they've had with other players because of the salary cap. And Stammer has been able to elevate his play to an extent where Yeah, we thought maybe the bottom six would take a little bit of a hit because a lot of depth guys left. But did we take into consideration the top-end guys not Mm -hmm. only performing, but maybe performing beyond what we thought? And I think in Stamkos' case, that might be the case.
0: Yeah, well, forgetting about everybody else on the team, just looking at Stamkos, it is clear that his injury issues, let's say, Starting halfway through the 2019-2020 season, lasting through that that playoff run, which he basically didn't play, and even coming back into the shortened season, his numbers were okay in the shortened season, 56 games, but again, he only played 38 of those 56 games, and he had 34 points, so he was at a point per game. I think it was last year that we saw the truly healthy Stamkos, and I'll include the playoffs in 2021. He had a very good playoff the second year that the Lightning won the Cup. Right, Scored some big goals for the Lightning. He had 18 points in the 23 playoff games. But last year, I think, was the year that he was fully healthy. And, you know, he had 42 goals, the most he has scored, since really the last full season, but the lightning's president's trophy year of 1819, he had 45, but he had 106 points and he had a career best plus 24. Yeah. So again, you can make of plus minus what you want. And he's had some years where he's had a good plus minus, but honestly, never had he been close to plus 24. His previous high had been plus 18. Right. So I think he was doing it at both ends of the ice but doing a lot of damage in the offensive zone. But what I was saying was it's almost like the lightning with stamp getting healthy. They got the same boost as they would have if they had added a player almost as an upgrade, because he's giving them more because he's healthy. He's giving them more than he was giving them when he was affected yeah. by injury or affected by rehabbing an injury. So he wasn't quite there. He didn't have the confidence in his body to be able to do the things that he is doing now. And it's certainly been a huge part of why the Lightning have done what they've been able to do as they have
1: lost players yeah, over the last couple of years. It's a great point. It's a great point. And I don't know if we could have counted on that, but he has certainly gotten back to a level where, I mean, he's all-star worthy. Well just kind of where he is.
0: if we had taken a poll and you can put whatever stock you wanted to into a poll whether you want to take a poll of fans when you want to take a poll of, of fellow players whether you wanted to do a poll of of pundits or coaches or general managers but if we had had a poll when the Lightning were celebrating their 2020 Stanley Cup and the question would have been are Steven Stamkos' best days behind him? I think I I have a good idea what the poll would have said, right? For sure, the answer would have been yes, and it turned out the answer is no. Heck, no. Well, maybe his best days. Like, is he going to score sixty again? I don't know about that. But he did get. But he definitely, yeah, he definitely had a resurgence. Maybe the question should have been: Is Steven Stamkos going to have a resurgence? Yeah, in his career.
1: And boy, has he.
0: Yeah. He has. But it didn't look that way no. when he could only play one game No,
1: in the 2020 playoffs. Absolutely. It's a very valid point. Hit us up on Twitter if you want to talk about that at Bolts Ray. By the way,
0: uh, I looked up his 18 game point streak. It started when he was a teenager and okay. it finished when he had turned 20. Or okay. After he had turned 20. January 19th through March 11th. His birthday's wow. in February. And you heard the story because we heard about this story, which I didn't know this story when Mitch Marner came in when the Lightning played Toronto at the beginning of the home stand and Marner who was still on a point streak yeah at the time had an 18 game point streak which had been Stampkos's high and he was one point away Marner was from setting the franchise record which is also interesting it's a new franchise record now but at the time the Lightning's franchise record and still is is the Stamkos streak at 18 yeah and what he said was Game 18 happened in Toronto, and the Lightning were going to Washington, and a, a bunch of his sticks disappeared I along do with remember Marty St. Louis hilarious. sticks. Yeah, right. he's like, the sticks that the, that they, they took, whatever I had left, didn't have any points in them or something that's like that. That's pretty funny.
1: That's pretty good. I yeah. like that. that's a good Of course, story. the
0: Lightning going to Washington at that time frame, Always they, took a a lot there, of, right? they took a lot on the chin. Yeah, yeah. that was when the, the Capitals were on route to winning the President's Trophy. Yeah. And, uh, and as we said, they got bounced out in the first round by Montreal. But right. the Lightning were missing the playoffs that year. Sure. But Stampkos was scoring like crazy. And I wonder if he had had his good luck sticks. Who knows? If he would have extended the point streak.
1: It's, uh, we'll never know, right? Yeah. We'll never
0: know. You think hockey players are a little superstitious? Are they the most superstitious? I mean, some of them are are overtly superstitious. Like, Marty St. Louis was very superstitious. Hedman is is superstitious. Remember when uh, Rob Kennedy was the uh, one of the equipment managers? He and Headman always did that thing with the yeah. the stick the stick blade between with the hand, right? The hands, Bubba's fingers. Yeah, and you can watch warm ups, and certain players have to do the same thing. Like Corey Perry finishes warm ups the same way every single warm up, where right. like he shoots it in the net. He's one of the last guys off, and then he turns and he shoots it at the other team's net. Right, and then he like runs off. He runs yeah, yeah, it. You've seen it too. Like he yeah, does yeah, the yeah, exact yeah. same thing. But even the guys who are not as overt, I think, have their subtle
1: superstitions. I mean, it's there are just, some that don't clearly, but you know, it speaks to sometimes just getting into routine gets you into. Your yeah, day. I think there's something to be said for that. And of course, once the playoffs begin. You'll hear a lot of players talk about they just they need that nap, you know. That, yeah, that nap. I'm not sure that's ready. a
0: superstition, but that is part of the routine. Now, if a player is on a good streak, they don't yeah. change anything, but they're yeah. also superstitious about changing things slightly if they're not on a good streak. Right. If they're in a slump. Did Phil have any superstitions? I don't think that he really did or does. Okay. But you know, to the extent that so much of this game is mental, which it is confidence we talk about right. that a lot if you believe that doing something will help you play better do it right no you're I mean, right as long as you're not a like a, a prisoner to it
1: yeah you got to be a little you have to be willing to probably veer off a little yeah bit adjust aren't going yeah right i mean i think that's that's probably logic telling you that but no, i agree with you i mean look at your own life you know you try and get into a routine and Mm -hmm. makes things a little easier
0: you know who who made an adjustment and this wasn't like a game by game thing this was a career adjustment was Vasilevsky it was Vasilevsky's preference to practice all the time like that was probably something that he felt he needed right and he has decided maybe with the lightning Suggesting firmly that he he well, take they advantage sh- of the off they
1: handcuff him to his his his, yeah. uh, his room. like he does not go out there <laughs> for
0: every practice he right. takes some time off because he understands that this is going to help him yeah in an actual game situation but you know up until that point he had been the backup right so the backup always practices a lot you had to right so I don't know if that was a superstition for him but it was definitely a routine change for Vasilevsky
1: that has worked. I love those stories. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio if you'd like. We'll take a break. We'll come back. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch right here on Lightning Radio.
0: You're listening to Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Michigan and Greg
1: Linelli. All right. Lightning Radio continues. Greg Linelli with you, along with the radio news of the Lightning. Michigan, as we've been talking a lot about the Lightning's win against the Panthers. Superstition, Stephen Samkos, where this team is on the back end, at the forward position, and then, of course, getting set to take on Seattle tomorrow. That's um, John Forslund, right? And Yeah. Is Edzo working there now? Well, he
0: does some of the games. I'm not That's sure right. if he's on this trip.
1: And JT Brown, correct? JT yes. Brown so I think
0: JT, I'm not sure how they're working the rotation, but when Eddie okay. is not doing games, JT is, and maybe it's gotcha. three in the booth when Eddie is doing the
1: games. All right. Good find for Seattle from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about uh, trying to bring hockey to that community and getting some people to talk about it who are experts and enjoyable to listen to, no doubt about that. So uh, we'll get into Seattle a little bit more tomorrow, of course, Johnny Gord. We'll We'll try and get a guest,
0: too. I'll be at the skate with Stella. Nice. Stella has a hospital visit tomorrow.
1: It's always good, right? uh, Especially around this time of year, I think.
0: Yeah. Probably good so we'll be uh we'll be heading to the arena after we do our tgh visit and hanging out and we'll do the show so we'll see if maybe we can get
1: one of the seattle people to join us you know uh it's not a a secret partner i've been battling the flu yes recently. i hear you, know, you got a little the sniffles today Yeah, a little sniffles and and it was one of those things where it just hit the whole family and my wife got it the worst probably and she's mm-hmm starting to feel a bit better but you know it did get me thinking like this time of year because a lot of these players have kids and you know flu is up you know pretty significantly the ability to push through as an athlete during that time and still being able to perform somewhat um you know we have seen a number of times where a flu can hit a locker room and guys are down and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're trying to get as many liquids as possible. And even as broadcasters, I've got to think, too, you know, because you have kids and they're traveling. It's this time of year. You just never know. Yeah. You never know, right?
0: In the minors especially, you have to power through because there's nobody there to back you up. I guess theoretically at the NHL level, they could find a replacement. There was – you know, I wonder if I got COVID. I mean, I never really, I, we didn't know about it. I, I i never got tested for it. I got tested for the antibodies months later, and it, it said I didn't have them. But yeah. whatever it was, it knocked me on my rear end in January of 2020. And that was as close as I have come with the Lightning to missing a game. And at the time, Bill Wickett was still with the team. He had Lucas Favali fly down from Syracuse and i ended up being okay well enough to do the game so we came back from a road trip i got sick on the road trip and it was the first home game back after we got home and lucas was there in case i couldn't do it but you powered through but but i i did power through and, and i was able to do it so it's not like i was You know, battling a temperature of 104 or anything like that. Like I was coherent enough to be able to to call the game. Actually, if I'm remembering correctly, the Lightning beat Vancouver like nine to two. So I'm like, really, this is the game where the Lightning scored nine goals. Nine goals, goals, right? When I have definitely an affected voice. But in the minors, there's really no safety net. Like you just have to do the game in in terms of somebody replacing you. At least when I was in the minors, yeah. So you do what you can to try and stay healthy, but it's just inevitable you're riding buses and through the middle of the night your sleep is affected you're in the cold cold outside cold inside (laughs) hockey rinks can be cold you get sick well you know as you and you can attest to you can get sick in florida as well when it's
1: not 20 below no you can and i mean the thing is too everybody talks about first class traveling and, and chartering and you've got the best of everything which is true but that still doesn't take the fact that when you do travel, you're on a plane and, you know, you're dealing with altitude and you're dealing with just, there are a lot of changes that go on. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of hustling and bustling to and from the airports, getting on a bus, getting into your hotel room. I mean, to your point, I can't imagine what some of those things were like. I mean, as you know, Dave, in the minor leagues, that was yeah. probably a grind. You, know? you, learn,
0: to, you learn to just figure out a way to get through the game. I mean, you I did. guess if you literally can't utter a sound with laryngitis, yeah. I don't know what you would do. I never reached that point. But uh, you know what it's like. You know, I Your do. voice just sounds different, and it's not very pleasant to talk no. when you have a sore throat or no. you have to cough or something like that. So, so.
1: Everybody dealing with you know something this time. Of Everybody's
0: course. dealing with something. Well, I'm glad that it sounds like everyone's on the mend, but I'm wondering, with Annie, as sick as she was, do you have to pick up the slack as far as... Putting on your Santa suit and making sure they are going to be presents under the tree, or is that already done, or is it been done, put yeah. off? Oh, no, wow, okay. Done.
1: You know that stuff. You know, my wife was able to to make those uh, arrangements already, and uh, now it's just a matter of, of wrapping.
0: I like how you say make the arrangements. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you she has a it,
0: hotline to Santa.
1: You know, what's been really difficult has been we're doing the 25 days of the elves on the shelves. Oh yes. So every day, the yeah. elves in our house—they're somewhere else, and they've got like a little activity that they're.
0: You're doing. like an elf. You're putting in the hard work. I am. I, I tell you, leading what, up to Christmas, <laughs> there needs
1: there needs to be some some stuff in my stocking this year. You know what I mean, from Santa. Understand? that. Yes. Because we're powering through that.
0: You know, it's great when the kids understand that Santa brings gifts because it adds to the joy of Christmas. But I will tell you a story. Yes. Back when my daughter. Was at the age when she was right on the cusp of still having What's that the joy cusp? of Santa. Give me, give I guess me, uh, it changes for every kid. Well, Gianna is is six. not yet ten. Yeah, yeah so you got a few more years. Right, right, right. I think I think double digits for some kids is the fair cutoff. Okay. And if they don't hear it or figure it out themselves, a lot of times they hear it from kids at school who are just eager to pop everyone's bubble but anyway you know we have the kids do their lists i'm sure that your daughters have a list right of of things that they want and i remember one year there was a rather exorbitant item on my daughter's list and we looked at her and said yeah i'm not sure about that and she said that's okay santa can just bring me that one so that's hilarious you know, Santa doesn't worry about the budget. Santa doesn't worry about how expensive a toy is or a gift. So those were, the, those were the gifts from Santa. And later we're like, did you have any idea that it all came from the same place? She's like, yeah, I had an idea. So I'm like, you're a clever one, aren't you?
1: You, you pick it up. Yeah, Pick it up pretty quickly. You know, you're right. Got do
0: you it. do separate presents from Santa for the girls? Like different wrapping paper and stuff? like that
1: uh i think different wrapping paper yeah that, yeah yeah i
0: give credit to my wife for that yeah. dulcie made sure she had like special wrapping paper that designated gifts from santa
1: yeah i think that's fair i think you're right and uh you know you leave the cookies out in the carrots. yeah of course and feed the reindeer the night mm-hmm. before where you can kind of throw the whatever that food is that they like out in the <laughs> yeah, whatever that food is. Get, get oats. Yeah, oats. That's right, oats. Are we, are we,
0: are we to understand that the Linelli adults do not really care for oats in their <laughs> diet? <laughs> I don't, I don't, this I don't know. This is a special around. purchase. Get them out of here. Get them We've really here. gone off the rails, haven't we? That's and sorry. we still got a few weeks before Christmas. We do. We can get back into this. We will. That's I want to hear all of the special Christmas stories, though, when we come back after the holiday. You
1: will. You will. And I, I want to hear from... Our audience as well at Bolts Radio, if they want to get involved in that Christmas conversation. Uh, We'll be talking hockey all the way up till that point. Then we'll get a couple of days off and then kind of right back uh, into it. Uh, The Lightning and Kraken, I mean, we can touch on them a little bit here. It's, again, a, a team, obviously, Dave, that they don't see. And Seattle, I think there was a lot of talk about when they first came into the league about it was that's the way an expansion team is probably supposed to look like. You know, mm-hmm. where they're not supposed to be like Vegas and come in and set the world on fire right off the bat. But, you know, I think this year, Seattle, for, you know, a variety of reasons, they've been able to construct a roster more to their, their liking here a little bit. And, you know, they've had to adjust now to the league and things they needed to work on. And they're in second place in the Pacific.
0: Yeah. I'm very curious to do a deeper dive on them because. They are an interesting team in that there's nothing obvious about why they are where they are in the standings. So they're in second place in their division behind Vegas. But all right, I'm gonna to go to their individual numbers here, kind of see where they are.
1: I mean, they've so, got some guys like Eberly. Well, right. Posse. So they're doing
0: it with so they're doing it with balanced scoring. So they are sixth in the league in goals which is impressive, they have not been great defensively. They are allowing more than three goals per game, and a lot of that is tied to their penalty kill, which is one of the worst in the league. So they are kind of doing it in spite of struggles on the PK, but their power play is good. So are they doing it by outscoring their problems? I'm not sure if I would go that far, though, because they don't have a guy who is like among the league leaders or even a line that you would say is among the league leaders for three guys. And look, Matty Beniers is a guy who was a high draft pick who didn't play for them last year, except for he might've had a cup of coffee, but he wasn't a mainstay this year. He is, he scored last night against the Panthers. He's got 11 11, goals. He's got 23 points. But like you look at their, like they're, they're a solid team. They have a lot of guys in that like five, six, seven, eight goal range. So I guess they're kind of doing it by outscoring the opposition. If I were to broad stroke it, they're doing it by outscoring the opposition and they're getting scoring up and down their lineup. But they don't have like one guy or two guys that you would really say, boy, these guys are are driving the bus for them. So I don't know if that is a better way to go about it than a team that that relies on, let's say, four to five guys to do a lot of the heavy lifting, but it's working for Seattle. They've also been way better on the road than they have been at home. They're just a game over five hundred at home, but you look at their road record, and and of course they just beat Florida last night. Yeah, their road yeah. record is nine two and one, and they're coming off one of those regulation losses in Washington. Two right. games ago. So they've had an impressive year. Let's see if they can keep it going. But as we often say, like they put themselves in the driver's seat here to make the playoffs. They've given themselves a chance. You're they've, right. they've opened up some distance between yep. themselves and the teams on the other side of the cut line.
1: Yanni Gore had four goals this year. He's off to a little bit of a slow start, I think, considering. And he, one of those was into an empty net. Yeah, last night.
0: Which look, they count as we've just said. Alex Ovechkin, right? Brian? Alex Ovechkin,
1: you know, he's getting some empty net goals now. He'll take that, yeah, for sure. And I mean, with that, they they've got to be getting some decent goaltending too.
0: But their team defense, like their their goals against number, is not great. Right, that's what I'm saying. So when we when when the the Kraken come in tomorrow, and I actually talk to some of their people, I'll get a better idea of. Kind of what's going on with them. But I think Martin Jones is playing the majority of their games. He is. i'm gonna He's quickly 13 and look 5. Up. Yeah, he's 13 and 5. So his one loss record is good, good, as is the Kraken's one loss record. But his goals against is just a nick under three. And his save percentage is 890. Yeah. Which
1: is below par.
0: Yeah. Would you be surprised? Into year two, after they they made a push to sign Grubauer, that Grubauer is the backup to Martin Jones. I mean, he's only playing about a th- a third, yeah, probably of the amount of time as Jones.
1: Yeah, because Jones, you know, I feel like with with Jones, I've always liked him, but I I don't, I mean, he went through a run there with San Jose where I thought he was one of the better goaltenders yes. in the game, and then he just is, and maybe it was it coincided with the Sharks. I don't I don't know dipping. He just never got back to that level, especially when they went to the cup the one year against Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. He was really good. And he was a young guy. And so I think they probably felt pretty good that this was going to be our goaltender of the future. And it didn't happen. So I don't know. Maybe a change of scenery for him
0: is what he needed. And as we've talked about, your save percentage as a goalie, if your team penalty kill percentage is bad, your save percentage is going to take a hit. Yeah. Because the opposition is scoring at a rate that is higher in terms of goals per shots, <laughs> right. the rate is going to be higher if you're giving up a lot of power play goals than five on five generally.
1: Good point. We'll do a little. So bit the
0: more. Lightning's power play may be a factor tomorrow. Could. we'll see. It could. We'll yeah. have
1: a lot of fun. Hopefully, I'm there live. If not, I'm yeah, there. I hope so. You know, hopefully. Regardless, we're going to do a show. And we appreciate everybody who listened. Partner, great job, as always. And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow, noon to one. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, to Dave Michigan. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Steve Ersik for producing. I am Greg Linelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.